For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Russian President Vladimir Putin called the U.S. dollar's drop in dominance, quote, objective and irreversible during the recent BRICS summit in South Africa, as Brazil, Russia, India, China, and South Africa formally agreed to use local currencies instead of the U.S. dollar. It's the first shoe to drop. As demand for the dollar weakens, the buying power of the dollar also weakens. That's why Birch Gold Group is busier than ever. Investors and savers are looking to harness the power of physical gold held in a tax-sheltered IRA. Text MONICA to 989-898 for your free info kit on gold. Thousands of happy customers, an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau, and countless five-star reviews you can count on Birch Gold to help you navigate transitioning an existing IRA or 401k into an IRA in gold. As the U.S. dollar continues to receive pressure from foreign countries, digital currency, and central banks, arm yourself with information on how to protect your savings. Just text MONICA to 989-898 to claim your free info kit from Birch Gold Group right now. Hey guys, I'm Monica Crowley, and this is the Monica Crowley Podcast. Thanks so much for joining me here on this Friday as we wrap up another week in the hellscape that is known as Biden's America. This is your go-to for hot liberty, a safe space for all of us thought criminals, independent thinkers, and happy warriors. Don't forget to check me out on social media. On Instagram, I am at Monica Crowley underscore and on Twitter and Truth Social, I am at Monica Crowley. You can also send me an email about this show. Let me know what's on your mind. Monica Crowley Podcast at gmail.com. Again, that's Monica Crowley Podcast at gmail.com. All right, as promised, today I want to pick up where we left off on Monday. We had so much breaking news on Wednesday that I had to postpone this to today, but I guarantee you that it's worth the wait. We're going to pick up where we left off with the dogs that haven't barked. On Monday, we began talking about some of the Obama-era people now running America straight back into the ground as it was uh, during the Obama years. We talked a little bit about Susan Rice, who is as quiet as a church mouse, which tells you she is up to no good. And Lisa Monaco, who is now the number two at the Department of Justice. But there is another person who is being very quiet, although not, not quite. He's, he's sort of doing a tell. So we're going to talk about him as well. And the biggest of them all, Barack Obama. So we will pick up where we left off. Also today, a blockbuster of an interview with the one and only Congresswoman Marjorie Taylor Greene. 
MTG in the house, Crowley and Green riding together. It's going to be an absolute sensation. So you're not going to want to miss that. Buckle up, plus your emails at the end of the show. In fact, this email that I'm going to do at the end of the show is very, very important. It is a standalone segment because I got a note from a guy named Warren who wanted to know what really went down with General Michael Flynn. I'm going to tell you, you're not going to want to miss this. This show is going to be so unbelievable. It's just going to blow the lid off. Okay, so you're going to want to sit tight through the entire thing, which I know you do anyway, here on the Monica Crowley podcast. First up, the Monica memo. Before we do that deep dive into Obama, let's do a shallow dive into Brian Stelter, shall we? Brian Stelter, of course, one of CNN's resident liars and a potato. Actually, Brian Stelter is George Costanza in Seinfeld. Remember this? You have no idea what an idiot is. <laughs> Elaine just gave me a chance to get out and I didn't take it. This is an idiot. Is that right? I just threw away a lifetime of guilt-free sex and floor seats for every sporting event in Madison Square Garden. So please, a little respect. For I am Costanza, Lord of the Idiots. (laughs) Brian Stelter is Costanza, Lord of the Idiots. But now he's no more, having been fired from CNN for being Stelter, Lord of the Idiots. Brian Stelter and Liz Cheney getting canned in the same week is Christmas Mardi Gras and Independence Day all rolled into one. Enjoy. Let's get back to more serious things here with Barack Obama. So the people really running the country right now are Barack and Michelle Obama and the close-knit Obama inner circle who were there during the Obama-Biden years and who are back once again in the Biden-Obama years. And there are a lot of these uh, people floating around, wreaking havoc on the country and the world. But the man behind the curtain of it all is, of course, Barack Obama, along with Michelle. The two of them are running this, this absolute hellscape. And it's long past time that we began to pull the curtain back here and expose him and her, but mostly him, uh, for what they are actually doing. After all, this is Barack Obama's third term. The third term he always wanted, in fact, he's on record somewhere saying, hey, if I had my druthers, I'd love to have like a puppet in there where I, I mean, he like literally said this, we've got to find the clip somewhere, we'll do it next week. But um, he literally is on the record saying, yeah, if I had my druthers, I'd love to have a third term via a puppet in there. And then everybody was like laughing and saying, oh, ha ha, he's so joking. Yeah, he wasn't joking. This is exactly what it is. So this is the third term he always wanted to lock in their neo-communist transformation of the country. Trump, of course, got in their way and set them back for four years. So now they're breaking their necks trying to make up for lost time. So now we've got to talk about Obama, because if you don't think that he's got a hand 
in all of this, in the classified documents and in the raid on Trump and all of that. Think again. He has had a hand in all of this. The Russia hoax, the two impeachments, January 6th, Barack Obama and his entire crew up to their eyeballs. So to put what's going on with Donald Trump in context, let's do a deep dive into Obama's record on classified documents and stonewalling their release and just straight up hiding them or destroying them. Because with every single instance of lawbreaking, corruption, whatever, Barack Obama has skated. Everybody around Obama skates, of course, because they're Democrats. They're right thinkers. But Obama has skated most of all. He always does. So let's do a deep dive into his history of record keeping, shall we? Because it's time to pull the curtain back on the man actually running this country into the ground and probably this op against Donald Trump. There's another big dog, though, that also hasn't barked, and I don't mean Susan Rice, although she's a big dog that hasn't barked. But pay attention to another dog that hasn't barked before we get into this. That is Eric Holder, Obama's attorney general, and before Merrick Garland, the most political, vicious, and vindictive attorney general we have ever had. He was really Obama's wingman. You know, all of this talk during the Trump years of Trump's AGs being his political uh, prosecutor and all that, it's, again, all projection, accusing our side of what they themselves are guilty of. Barack Obama's attorney general, Eric Holder, was the most political, but now we've got even a more radical, vicious, and vindictive one in Merrick Garland. But Eric Holder was right there, and guess what, guys? He's still there. And he is still very present in all of this. Nobody is talking about Eric Holder, but we are here on the show. Nobody is talking about Susan Rice or Lisa Monaco or Jake Sullivan. We are here on the show, and that's why you listen to us. Somebody has got to be pulling the curtain back on all of these characters. Eric Holder, a few days before the raid on Mar-a-Lago, gave an interview predicting that the screws were going to tighten on Trump and that he would be indicted. So there's no doubt that Eric Holder is knee-deep in all of this, guiding it along with Merrick Garland and Lisa Monaco over at the DOJ, and Barack Obama, it's the entire Obama crew running this crap show because it is Obama's third term. But pay very close attention to Eric Holder. Again, no one is talking about him, but we're gonna. Let's begin here um, in exposing what Barack and Michelle and Eric Holder and the rest of their gang did when they were in office, shall we? And I want to start with an investigation done by the leftist Center for Public Integrity, which was published on April 13th, 2011. Okay, 2011. This was entitled White House Visitor Logs Riddled with Holes. Here's how it begins. A foot of snow couldn't keep Bob Dylan, Joan Baez, Jennifer Hudson, and other celebrities away from a star-studded celebration of civil rights-era music hosted by President Barack Obama and the First Lady at the White House on February 9th, 2010. Dylan's haunting rendition of The Times They Are a Changin' was a highlight of the dazzling evening. By the way, uh, 
just completely off the record, I cannot stand Bob Dylan. My friends all make fun of me for this. Monica, he's a legend. He was the voice of a generation. I don't care. He's a whining a-hole. Here's how the piece continues. The digitally friendly White House even posted the video of his performance on the website. But you won't find Bob Dylan or Robert Zimmerman, his birth name, listed in the White House visitor logs, the official record of who comes to call at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue, maintained by the Secret Service. Ditto Joan Baez. The logs are similarly incomplete for thousands of other visitors to the White House, including lobbyists, government employees, campaign donors, policy experts, and friends of the first family. The White House website proudly boasts of making available, quote, over a million records of everyone who's come through the doors of the White House via a searchable database. Yet the Center for Public Integrity's analysis shows that the logs routinely omit or cloud key details about the identity of visitors, who they met with, the nature of the visit, and even includes the names of people who never showed up. These are critical gaps that raise doubts about their historical accuracy and utility in helping the public understand White House operations from social events to meetings on key policy debates. Stephen Aftergood, the director of the Project on Government Secrecy at the Federation of American Scientists, says, quote, if this is transparency, who needs it? The piece continues. A White House official conceded the system has limitations. Oh, is that what we're calling it? Limitations? Hiding things now are limitations. Donald Trump should try that. Oh, you know, these documents. Yeah, this whole system has limitations. Asserting it was designed not as an archive, but, quote, first and foremost, to protect the first family, second family, which at the time was the Bidens, and White House staff while imposing the smallest administrative burden possible. Trump should try all this. Oh, it's limitations. I I just wanted to impose the smallest administrative burden possible. Of course, it only works for Obama, Biden, and the Democrats. So I'm being sarcastic here. Quote, the Obama administration has taken unprecedented steps to increase transparency by releasing visitor records from the system each month to provide the American people with more information about their government, said White House spokeswoman Kate Bedingfield. Sound familiar? Guess what she's doing now? She's Joe Biden's communications director, of course. Again, guys, I keep telling you, it's the same people committing the same crimes and unethical behavior. The Center for Public Integrity, in their analysis, found these weaknesses. The event description in the logs is blank for more than 205,000 visits, including many that involved small meetings with the president and his key aides. Hmm, wonder what they were talking about. Who knows? You'll never know. You're just peons. You're the deplorables. You'll never find out. Further, five junior staff aides together received more than 4,400 visits. By contrast, then-Chief of Staff Rahm Emanuel, with a horse head in his bed, famed for his workaholic schedule, they say, is listed for fewer than 500 visits. Huh. Curious. 
Less than 1% of the estimated half a million visits to the White House in Obama's first eight months, a time when the new administration was bustling with activity, have been disclosed. Fewer than 1% by 2011. They also include uh, people cleared for Secret Service entry who never showed up, and it goes on and on. The White House agreed to release the data known as WAVES records only as a result of settling a lawsuit, so they needed to be sued to release any of this. The administration said, and again, this is 2011, said that it will respond to reasonable, narrow, and specific requests for visitor information from Obama's early months in office, but that there will be no wholesale release of material. It's a sizable gap that provides the public and historians little insight about how key policy decisions were made and who played a role in them in the energetic early months of the new administration. And it means it's difficult to assess whether a major Obama campaign pledge to limit the influence of lobbyists in his administration has been kept, or if big donors have been given ready access to the White House, which candidate Obama said would not happen once he took office. So, guys, uh, just keep in mind, this analysis is from a left-wing group in 2011. Obama still had six and a half years left to redact and hide who was coming and going. Sound familiar? Joe Biden is doing the exact same thing with some of the exact same people carrying it out. You don't get any visitor logs at all when Biden is in Delaware and he goes there pretty much every week and now he's on vacay. He's had about a month of vacation so far. No visitor logs there, nothing available. So the the White House you know, logs are just sort of lost to history. Oh, well, you never know who's meeting with the president, when and why. And don't even think about asking for it because you have no right to it. Again, it's the same crew, Obama, Biden, Biden, Obama. It's the same group of people doing the exact same thing. But let's try to nail Donald Trump on some bogus charge of classified documents. Wait, it gets worse. Listen to this. Let's move up a few years to March of 2016. There's this from the Associated Press. Here's their headline. Analysis finds the Obama administration loses a record number of documents requested under the Freedom of Information Act. Oh, whoopsie-daisy. Records somehow vanished. Listen to the AP's report. The Obama administration set a record for the number of times its federal employees told disappointed citizens, journalists, and others that despite searching, they couldn't find a single page requested under the Freedom of Information Act. In more than one in six cases, or 129,825 times, government searchers said they came up empty-handed last year. Remember, this, is, this report is from 2016, so they mean 2015. Such cases contributed to an alarming measurement. People who asked for records under the law received censored files or nothing in 77% of requests. Also a record. 
In the first full year after President Barack Obama's election, that figure was only 65% of cases. So guys, as Obama went through his presidency, they started restricting the release of these documents in violation of the law more often. Obama has said his administration is the most transparent ever. Remember that? Get this, according to the AP in this story. The FBI couldn't find requested records under the law in nearly 40% of cases. Oh, but the FBI, don't worry about it. They're not corrupt at all. Believe them. Give them the benefit of the doubt. The Environmental Protection Agency regional office that oversees New York and New Jersey couldn't find anything 58% of the time. U.S. Customs and Border Patrol Protection couldn't find anything in 34% of the times. It goes on. In some high-profile instances, usually after news organizations filed expensive federal lawsuits, the Obama administration found tens of thousands of pages after it previously said it couldn't find any. Oh, it's a miracle. They finally found stuff after lawsuits. The website Gawker sued the State Department in 2015 after it said it couldn't find any emails that Philippe Reigns, an aide to Hillary Clinton, had sent to journalists. After the lawsuit, the agency said, oh, here it is. We found 90,000 documents about correspondence between Reigns and reporters. In one email, Reigns wrote to a reporter, quote, I want to avoid FOIA although Rain's lawyer later said he was joking. Sure, sure. Nothing to see here. Just Obama and his entire administration losing hundreds of thousands of documents, also known as hiding or destroying them, so they never saw the light of day. Let's move ahead to another two years, to June 10th, 2018, and an article by Thomas Lipscomb, called Crisis at the National Archives. Quote, in the middle of directing the difficult task of transferring the historically important records of the Obama administration into the National Archives, the archivist in charge, David Ferrero, ran into a serious problem. A lot of key records are missing. To support this effort to gain public access to presidential documents, in 2014, President Obama signed the Presidential and Federal Records Act amendments. For the first time, electronic government records were placed under the 1950 Federal Records Act. And this piece goes on to say this. And yet, the accumulation of recent congressional testimony has made it clear that the Obama administration itself engaged in the wholesale destruction and, quote, loss of tens of thousands of government records covered under the act as the intentional invasion of the government records recording system by engaging in private email exchanges. We all know about Hillary, right? The IRS suffered record, quote, losses as well. Oh, here's the IRS back on the scene in 2018. Former federal prosecutor Andrew McCarthy called it, quote, an unauthorized private communication system for official business for the patent purpose of defeating federal record keeping and disclosure laws. So, 
Oh, nothing. Just the wholesale destruction of countless government documents. And finally, how about this? This is from Rolling Stone, April 2016. Again, Rolling Stone, not exactly a right-wing publication. This article entitled, Why is the Obama Administration Trying to Keep 11,000 Documents Sealed? Written by Matt Taibbi, another left-winger. He writes this, For years, the federal government has been quietly fighting to keep a lid on an 11,000 document cache of government communications relating to financial policy. The sheer breadth of the effort to keep this material secret may not have a precedent in modern presidential times. One lawyer connected with the case, quote, it's the mother of all privilege logs. Taibbi continues, the Obama administration invoked executive privilege attorney-client, and deliberative process over these documents and insisted that their release would negatively impact global financial markets. But in finally unsealing some of these materials last week, a federal judge named Margaret Sweeney said the government's sole motivation was avoiding embarrassment. She wrote, quote, instead of harm to the nation resulting from disclosure, the only harm presented is the potential for criticism. The court will not condone the misuse of a protective order as a shield to insulate public officials from criticism in the way they execute their public duties. Again, this is Rolling Stone from April 2016. So I bring all of this to you today, and this is just the tip of the iceberg in terms of what the Obama-Biden crew did during those years in terms of destroying documents, hiding documents, sealing them, quote-unquote, losing them. Then, of course, you had Hillary's private server, the destruction of devices, the the bleaching of 33,000 emails by her. She's just one actor. Everybody in the Obama administration apparently was doing this. And I wanted to bring this to your attention by way of putting what they are now doing to Trump into total context. So while they're seizing Trump's cocktail napkins and rifling through Melania's lingerie drawer, Obama got away with destroying or otherwise hiding hundreds of thousands of official documents. And he spent over $36 million in lawsuits trying to prevent other documents from being made public. The most destructive and secret administration until the current one They were doing a bonfire of government documents. But Donald Trump is the bad guy? It's not hypocrisy about which they could care less. It's hierarchy. It's hierarchy. All right, guys, when we come back, we're going to have a tremendous blockbuster barn burner of an interview with the great Congresswoman Marjorie Taylor Greene. Sit tight. Okay, everybody, listen up. We all want to be healthier, right? Well, to get there, we have to have a healthier diet, which is not always easy to do. I can attest to that. You know, that shredded lettuce in a double-double and the fruit filling in a donut are amazing, but they do not count toward the recommended five servings of fruits and vegetables a day. Sorry to be the one to break it to you, but they don't. 
I don't always eat healthy either, but I will share that the Mayo Clinic says if you want to help prevent heart disease, lower blood pressure, and cholesterol, eat five servings of fruits and vegetables every day. I don't, and you probably won't. That's why I take Field of Greens. Unlike other supplements, each fruit and each vegetable in Field of Greens was medically selected by doctors to support your vital organs, like the heart, lungs, kidneys, and the immune system. Flu season is here, and I trust Field of Greens to help me stay healthy. Field of Greens works fast and tastes so good. It's really delicious, guys, and you'll feel better with more energy And you'll notice your skin, hair, and nails will look healthier too. I certainly noticed that in me since I started taking Field of Greens. If you don't always eat right and exercise, join me and take Field of Greens. Let me get you started with 15% off your first order. Visit fieldofgreens.com and use promo code MONICA. That's promo code MONICA at fieldofgreens.com, fieldofgreens.com. Well, I can't tell you how happy I am to have with me today Congresswoman Marjorie Taylor Greene. She represents Georgia's 14th Congressional District, and we all know and love her as a fierce warrior for the Constitution and American freedom. Many times she's the only one or nearly the only one from Capitol Hill out there swinging to save this country. And man, does she take a lot of incoming as a result. But she is totally fearless. And that's one of the many reasons we respect and love her. Marjorie Taylor Greene joins me now. Congresswoman, welcome. Hi, Monica. Thank you so much for having me on today. Well, it's my great honor and my great pleasure. And can I just say, you are such a heroine to me and to millions of Americans who watch your courage in pushing back against the Democrat communists, as I call them. And we all see all of the attacks you take as a result, like President Trump. And we're all just amazed by and very grateful for your relentless fight and courage. Thank you. And thank you for all the work you've done over the years. You've worked for uh, some extraordinary men uh, in our country's history, uh, President Nixon and President Trump. So thank you so much for that, Monica. Well, I appreciate that, Congresswoman. And and like I say, I I started my career with President Nixon and a mid-career with President Trump. Man, do I know how to pick them. No, no, no boring presidents for Monica, only the most controversial ones, because they are the ones who were outsiders who stood up against the swamp. And therefore, of course, both of them needed to be destroyed. But that's a conversation with you for another day. You know, I, Marjorie, I've often said on this show and Fox News and elsewhere that the left never feared President Trump's failure despite what they said, they feared his success because they knew if he succeeded, he would give rise to hundreds of America first candidates. And it would therefore make it much more difficult for them to effectuate this neo-Marxist revolution that we're all living through now, because it's much easier to try to destroy and remove one man, Donald Trump, than it is to try to uproot hundreds of America first candidates and leaders around the country. And when I think about you, I think about the fact that really you were one of the very first to come into office as a true America first candidate. Where does that fearlessness in you come from? 
think that I think the best way to describe it is I don't owe the political machine anything. I I'm I'm honestly just an average uh, grateful American citizen. I feel blessed to be an American woman, and I'm so grateful for the life that I've had uh, here in America. And I and I I owe that I owe all those feelings to God, our, our Creator. Um, that inspired the founders of our country to, to write the constitution and do everything they did. And, and I believe that must be protected. I truly believe it must be protected. Our, our country has to be protected. Our way of life has to be protected for our children's future and our grandchildren's future, but it also affects the entire world. And I, the only reason I ran for Congress is I, of course, totally believe the Democrats in who they say they are and what they say they're about. And I take them, I take their words at face value. I, 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 I don't doubt them one single bit, but it's the Republicans, I feel, that, that failed. And that's what made me feel like I, I had no other choice, but I had to run for Congress because if, if no one else was going to it, it? It felt like no one else was go, was going to. We had President Trump, but it seemed like there was no one else. And I thought, you know what? I've done a lot of things in my life. I'm successful. I I won't owe Washington a single thing, and I can just truly do what I believe needs to be done. And I, I felt like President Trump. I, I was sure he was going to have a second term. Um, I still completely believe he won the election. Uh, and and I just felt like we need to get in there and help them because Republicans are failing and it's their failures that are going to cost us our country. But then when I got there, I realized, oh, wow, it's it's far worse than than I thought before. Mm-hmm. And and we don't have President Trump. We have we have Joe Biden as our president. And, and it's just gotten so much worse. You know, on the question of Republicans, you had this incredible Twitter thread the other day, and I I retweeted it out. It's on my account, but everybody should be uh, following you on Twitter. Her account is at RepMTG. Is that your handle also on Truth Social, Marjorie? Yes, Truth Social I have. um, I think it's at RealMTG, and I have at RepMTG because I have two accounts. I have my campaign account where um, I'm free to say a lot more. And then I can also, you know, ask for people's votes, ask for donations for my campaign because I don't take uh, lobbyists money and I don't take corporate PAC money. So um, I'm just supported by regular people. So that's why a campaign account is so important. And so I have both of those on Truth Social. But on Twitter, I only have the at RepMTG. That's my congressional account um, because they they uh, permanently banned, banned my personal campaign account. Yes, yes. Twitter permanently suspended uh, Congresswoman uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene um, earlier this year. It's uh, completely outrageous. If you're not following her on social media, you've got to. And I mentioned that thread that you did a couple of days ago, which I also retweeted because it was so good about the Republicans. You know, when I was working for President Nixon, Congresswoman, he said... Um, I have more respect for a true believing communist than I do for an American Democrat, because at least the communist will tell you exactly who they are, what they believe and what they intend to do. 
whereas an American Democrat will dress it all up and snow you under in a bunch of lies. Well, we're in a little bit of a different place now where the American Democrats literally are the communists. But your point about the Republicans is so true that so many of them talk a good line about limited government, individual liberty, economic freedom, and they do nothing. They're part of the uni party and they just join with the Democrats in sinking this country. And, and your recognition yes. of that and your willingness to step up and take on your own party. I mean, you, we all know how you deal with the Democrats, which is superb, but dealing with your own party has been extraordinary. Thank you. And, and that goes back to why I ran for Congress. I was, I'm, I mean, I was really mad at Republicans under President Trump's first two years. Uh, we, you know, when he was elected, everybody was like, okay, things are really going to happen now. And they were supposed to, but it was Republican failure and Republican refusal to to do the things they should have done when they had the majority in the House of Representatives and the Senate. That is that is what made me so angry. And that's what, you know, I'm not the only one that angered just, I mean, tens of millions of conservative Americans and Republican voters all over the country. Uh, They didn't repeal Obamacare. Uh, that had hurt not only my family's uh, insurance primary, you know, our, what we were paying monthly, but also it, it had caused just so many health insurance companies to close, completely leave the market, leaving only a few options available in each state. They, they in spite of constantly calling themselves pro-life, not only did they not pass any pro-life legislation, they didn't even defund uh, Planned Parenthood. They actually funded it. And and then, you know, of course, the border wall issue where Trump, we all we all chanted at rallies, build the wall, build the wall. And they refused to build the border wall. They refused to fund the border wall in their one point three trillion dollar omnibus bill. Um, And I just was like, how in the world can Republicans fail this badly? They also did not uh, defund sanctuary cities, which they totally should have uh, when they had the opportunity. But these were these are just some examples of Republican failures that angered me so much. And so when I got elected, I decided, you know, this is this is my party and 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 it's the party that should be stopping the communist agenda for America. And they should be the party that are solving these problems and, and doing all these great things. And they should be, and they can be, and I want them to be, Monica. See, that's the thing. So I am constantly calling out my Republican colleagues, um, not because I'm against them, but I'm actually for them and I want them to do better. And, and I call them out because, you know, here's another thing. I don't owe them anything. I owe my district, my district that voted for me and sent me to Washington. I represent them and I don't represent anyone else. And and so I'm going to continue to bring accountability to the Republican Party because I believe that's where that's where our true problems are. We can't change the Democrats. We can't change their communist agenda. They they just like President Nixon told you, they are exact or, or that that quote about him. He's right. They a communist will tell you exactly who they are and they don't apologize. And it, you can respect them for that. And we've seen that out of the Democrats. But when the Republicans campaign, he said Democrats, I switch it to Republicans. When Republicans campaign and say all these great things that cause Americans to donate money to them and vote for them, but then they fail to follow through. That's unacceptable to me. That that is lying and it's unacceptable. And the Republican Party has to change. 
Yes, absolutely. And a brilliant point. And, you know, it calls to mind two things. One, that the Democrats always exercise power when they're in power. When the Republicans are in power, they don't exercise power. They still act like they're in the minority when they're in the majority. And it is absolutely outrageous. The other thing, too, is that, you know, the uni party has gained so much power and control and traction, and it's a whole corrupt gravy train that they're all on, that anybody who comes in that wants to actually solve America's problems is going to disrupt that corrupt status quo and that corrupt gravy train. Look, Donald Trump and you, you come in, you're normal people, and you're saying, okay, look, I, I want to actually solve America's problems. Well, the uni party then has to stop you because you're blowing the whistle on their whole scam, which is keep America's problems going, keep them festering so that every two, four or six years, they can come back to the American people and say, oh, gosh, golly, you know, we're so close to solving illegal immigration. We're so close to uh, cutting taxes. We're so close to getting this economy back, whatever the issue is. And, and if you only just give me a few extra dollars and your vote, well, next time in the next term, we'll be able to do it. And it's just this perpetual cycle of lies, Congresswoman, that you and Donald Trump blew right out of the water, exposed them all. You're there to actually solve our problems and make Americans' lives easier and better. And that's why you need to be stopped. Yeah, that's and you're right. That's why they have to stop us and they are trying their best. Um, and, and poor president Trump and his family, it's just, it's shocking to me what all they've done to, to them. Um, you know, I was speaking with Eric Trump recently and he had told me he's been subpoenaed, uh, I think over 400 times, just Eric Trump alone has been subpoenaed over 400 times by members of Congress, Democrats, of course, and uh, for their so-called investigations. And he's not even in the political, none of it. He, he works in the business and has done nothing wrong. They run a great business and are very successful, but the pain is the punishment. And that's the way communists act. That's the way they defeat their enemies is the pain is the punishment. And that's, they do the same thing to me. Um, you know, they they kicked me off committees early on, 10 days after I introduced articles of impeachment on Joe Biden uh, for for his son, Hunter, and their corrupt business dealings. Uh, since then, the media has just kept me under like hot fire. It is it's unbelievable. Lied about me, you know, totally defamed my character said awful things about me. And, and then, you know, of course they do this because the bar is set so high. It's very difficult for public figures like me and others to win in court to, to defeat. And I, I could spend all my money and all my time suing the media. Um, and, and it's just so difficult, but they've done other things to me. You know, they tried to take my name off the ballot. Um, I'm, st I mean, my, my attorney fees are still coming. We're, I think we're well over, we're, we're around half a million now in attorney fees for that. And um, I'm the only member of Congress to be put on the witness stand under oath and questioned being, being accused of insurrection on January 6th, which I absolutely did not do. No one did. And um, well, maybe some people did, but we, we have to reveal all of that too. Mm -hmm. um, but people are being, being punished. But so, you know, that, the real issue, the real issue is this, is 
the reason why someone like me and, and President Trump are able to go into government and just completely see it differently is because we're successful people in the real world. We're used to running businesses. We're used to solving problems. We're used to just handling the issues um, without having people stand in the way and not having to deal with bureaucrats. And it's the unelected bureaucrats in the government are the true problem. They, they are the people that never go away. They always keep their jobs, no matter, you know, how far and which way the, the pendulum of power swings. Those unelected bureaucrats are still there. But it is the uniparty that you mentioned, Monica. The uniparty is the most dangerous thing because it's Republicans and Democrats together that are, are completely funded by the lobbyists and the, the big corporations. Um, and they work in unison for globalism. And they, you know, while they might be have an R by their name or a D by their name, they're still serving the same goals because they're completely sold out to it all. And um, to them, it's about, you know, figuring out how to make money on the side through through their powerful positions like so many politicians have. I mean, they go into Congress or, or, or being elected president or vice president, they don't have hardly any money. And then they come out, you know, super millionaires and everyone knows that that's corruption that, that, that leads them there. Um, but I haven't done that. And president Trump never did. As a matter of fact, I, I'll, I can tell you, I've just lost money being a member of Congress yeah. and president Trump, obviously same thing, uh, but they won't stop. And, but that's where it's different though, Monica, we know they won't stop and we just don't care. We, it's not about them is the reason why people like me, like the reason why I'm there is I don't care what they do. They can't hurt me. They honestly can't hurt me. And President Trump feels the exact same way. Um, and people see it. People see it and they know it. You know, you you and President Trump, Matt Gates, and and the others who are fighting, you recognize that we are in a war in this country, the enemy is within, and there is no compromise with the other side. You, you can't behave like we're in 1987 and it's the Reagan years and you're dealing with Tip O'Neill or something. You are dealing with a neo-Marxist revolutionary party. And some on the other side will come out and actually tell you that, like an AOC or Bernie Sanders. The others just dress it up, but it's very clear. And what you just described, Congresswoman, in terms of being fearless and having nothing to be afraid of and that they cannot hurt you. That is part of the new right. And you are so obviously a leader, a bright light of the new right. What does the new right mean to you? Well, I think, I think what it really truly means is it's the American people, because I say this over and over is when the Republicans in Congress, and I, I say Republicans, it, it may not always be Republicans. I don't know who it will always be, but when they actually do the will of the people, that is going to be the party that will always do the right thing and, and will actually save our country. And I say, and I always say I want Republicans to do it because they claim to be about those things. The new right is a reflection of the American people. The new right is a reflection of our faith, our, our family traditions, um, and our freedoms and our ability to be independent because in America, it's the only country in the world where you can actually 
um, work very hard, start from nothing and achieve your dreams. If you stay focused enough and you take the right, the next right step every single day, you can be successful no matter how you start in life. America is the only place in the world that is possible. And the communist Democrats are going to kill it. They are going to kill it. The communist Democrats are Marxists. They are total Marxists. And they divide us. You know, um, communism in a lot of countries has been class warfare. Um, but here in America, it looks different. And they're very smart. It's, it's about identity politics. And they divide us based on identity. And they war us against one another. Um, and then they pull certain identities together, like we've seen, like with the Women's March, uh, to become more powerful, where they, they pulled uh, Black, black uh, you know, the Black Lives Matter. Um, they pulled together Muslims. They pulled together women, uh, all for this Women's March movement. And that's what the left does. It divides and then it puts certain, certain identities together and fuels their anger to fight against the others. Um, it's extremely dangerous. And like you said, this is not it's not Reagan's party anymore. And, you know, those were some great days. If only, if only we were back in those days, but we're not. And my constant warning to my Republican colleagues, and I say it behind closed doors, as well as I say it publicly, is we've got a chance. Our voters are going to give us a chance when we get the majority back. And if we don't do it, if we do not go all the way with the power that we have, in those two years, I am I am genuinely afraid they will never give us another opportunity. Mm-hmm. And and if we do not earn and keep their respect and their votes uh, to keep doing the job that we need to do, not only will they not reelect us and give us the majority, but it, it will allow the Democrats to be in power. And we've already seen how they abuse the power they have. They persecute their political enemies. They will continue to do so. And they they are perverting our institutions, um, our, our, our powerful law enforcement agencies like the FBI and Department of Justice have become so corrupt. I can only imagine what would happen uh, with more years of a Democrat-held uh, majority in this country is we we could never get it back, ever get it back. And so I feel like we just have this tiny sliver in time where we have to completely root out all corruption and we have to completely root out these enemies within. We have to do it. We have to do it because if we don't, the, the opportunity is gone and our country will be forever changed. And And what they're doing with truth completely completely turning truth upside down and and trying to tell us things are true that are completely not true. And the evil and perversion that is happening in this day, you can't even comprehend where it could be 10 years from now if their power goes unchecked. And so it's, it's um, to me, it is, it is a true mission. Um, I believe it's spiritual just as much as something that we are living and, and feeling and seeing. Um, but it's, it is, it is a real war. Um, and thank God, no bullets have been fired, but it is a real war and we have to win it. We have to win it. It's imperative that we win it or, or 
it's going to totally change. And I don't think we can ever get it back. No, and we can't afford to lose America. The world can't afford to lose America. And I'm so glad that you mentioned that this is a spiritual battle because it 100% is. You know, it also raises the question, Congresswoman, about the GOP leadership, because you and a handful of others, I mentioned Matt Gates, but also Jim Jordan, Tom Massey, there are a few others. You guys are out there all day, every day, swinging constantly. Congresswoman, I would like to ask you to please stand by because we have so much more I want to cover with you. You're just an extraordinary voice for all of us. So please stand by. We're going to hit a quick break and then we're going to have more with Congresswoman Marjorie Taylor Greene on the other side. But first, I want to take a moment to welcome a terrific new sponsor, Donors Trust. Donors Trust is the tax-friendly way to simplify your charitable giving without compromising your values. It's cancel culture coming for your charitable dollars. Big banks that sponsor charitable savings accounts or donor-advised funds, as they're formally called, have a history of slow walking or just straight up blocking donations to conservative charities. Charities that have found themselves in the crosshairs of the woke mob include the Family Research Council, National Review Institute, the National Rifle Association Foundation, Liberty Council, Turning Point USA, and so many others. So clearly not every donor-advised fund provider is safe for us conservatives. Let Donors Trust help manage your charitable giving. Donors Trust was built with you, my fantastic listeners in mind, people who believe in limited government and constitutional rights and that those things are worth fighting for. If you already have a donor-advised fund, consider opening a rollover account. It can be done in three simple steps by calling my friends over at Donors Trust. The Donors Trust team will work with you to protect your charitable legacy and help you achieve your charitable goals. So partner with the fund that matches your values. To learn more, download their prospectus at www.donorstrust.org, not .com, donorstrust.org slash Monica. That's donorstrust.org slash Monica. To align your giving with your values, go visit my friends at donorstrust.org slash Monica. We'll be right back. Okay, we are back and rejoined by the fantastic Congresswoman Marjorie Taylor Greene. How does the GOP leadership treat you and are they giving you any backup? And are you confident that if we do get the majority come January 1st, that they are actually going to lead this charge and do what needs to be done? Well, I think that's a great question. I'm really glad you asked it. Um, actually, the, the leadership treats me quite well which is, is probably surprising um, to a lot of people. You know, I, the, because of all the media attacks on me and everything that went on, we had quite a strained relationship at the beginning. Um, but we've worked really hard. We've talked a lot. And, and I, I will say I'm very happy that, that they support me. And that's what I've seen so far. They're anxious to put me back on committees, which I am really looking forward to. Um, Kevin McCarthy and others have uh, mentioned quite a few time oversight um, and even possibly judiciary. And those are the committees I am most interested in because I want to be involved in, in, in rooting out corruption and holding people accountable. 
uh, for all of the horrible things they've, they've been doing. And those are the committees where it happens and they have subpoena power and I will definitely use it. And um, now I believe, you know, how it looks right now is God willing, we, we take back the majority as we're, as we're projected. Um, you know, it's, it's talked about that we may be winning with a large number of seats. And then you hear some people say, well, I, it looks like Republicans will win, but it won't be as big a majority as some people think. You know, I, I really kind of don't know what to expect there. Um, but but I do believe we're, we'll see Kevin McCarthy will be speaker. He's the only one that's openly said he's running. And, you know, that's so he's running and and has got got good plans going forward that we've seen. But to me, I'll tell you, Monica, for for what I believe is it's about the Republican conference and the the willingness to be fearless and do the work. So that is what is more important to me um, than anything. And I will say I was really happy to see a, a, a sort of a cohesiveness I had not seen in a long time after um, Marlago was raided by the FBI um, and being sent there by Merrick Garland. And it's just unreal. Everyone, and I mean everyone in our conference, well, of course, except Liz Cheney and Adam Kinzinger, but they don't even count, <laughs> were furious. I mean, yeah. unbelievably outraged and and. Everyone is saying that we will not tolerate this. We will not allow this to stand. They have to, something has to be done. Now, of course, I'm over here screaming defund the FBI. And, you know, of course, we we have to have an FBI that that prosecutes child sex trafficking and crimes. We have to have an FBI that that does the real work, um, real criminal work. And that's, that only happens out in the field, but it's, it's the FBI in Washington, very corrupt upper echelon of that agency. And even, even the next, even this new generation that they've hired, they're very woke. We have to completely defund that out of the FBI. We have to, um, and that's what I want to do. And then we have others that, you know, in the Republican conference that aren't quite as willing to go as far as I am. But that's the only way we can do it. We have to go that far. And so I'm going to continue to push for that. That that'll I'll be screaming it from the rooftops. I don't care who's in charge. Um, and then the same goes for the Department of Justice. I introduced articles of impeachment on Merrick Garland because, you know what, in the real world, you get fired from your job. If you don't do a good job or you do something wrong or you break the law, you get fired mm-hmm. and there's consequences. And I am all about impeaching people and firing people and defunding different parts of the government because I believe that's the way you end it. And so I'm going to be yelling from the rooftops in a, in a Republican majority, just like I am right now, that we have got to impeach Merrick Garland because we can't allow this to stand. And so everyone asks, like, who's going to be the Republican speaker? Um you know, and I think that's a great question, but I think the most important thing is, is we have to be a fearless, united Republican conference that's actually going to do the job. And and that that's really what matters to me more than anything. Oh, amen. Amen. And as usual, you were leading the charge here. You're the first one to introduce these articles of impeachment against the attorney general, who is the most overtly political, vindictive and destructive attorney general we have ever had. You're out there yelling at the top of your lungs, absolutely right, about the depths of corruption at the DOJ and FBI and saying, we've got to uproot all of this root and branch. you got to... 
then you start by defunding, which is what Congress has the power to do, which is the power of the purse strings. You don't fund the corruption, you defund it in order to end it. And I noticed too, over the last like day or so, Congresswoman, that you're taking incoming attacks about, as usual, about your uh, call to defund the FBI from the, from the former Vice President Mike Pence, as well as your colleague, Congressman Dan Crenshaw. Is there anything that you want to say to them today? <laughs> well, you know, I did I did see a part of um, our former Vice President Mike Pence's speech, and I was like, well, you know, I, I would say something to him, but I don't think I have to. The American, pe- the American people, all the America first uh, people across the country, most, I would say a very high percentage of Republican voters agree with me. Yes. So I don't even have to address him head on. I think he's thinking about running for president. I think he'll find out real fast that maybe his views on, on how to handle things just probably aren't as popular as he thinks. And I think that'll take care of, care of itself. Dan Crenshaw, I went directly for him. Um, you know, he, he's the one that's always talking about me, um, on interviews or, 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 you know, kind of sliding things in, in different places. So, um, we should talk face to face. I should talk to him face to face and, and hopefully I will next time we're in session. But, you know, that's why I, I tweeted that is, okay, let's talk. He said, he said, you're not a serious person. You're not going to be taken serious saying defund the FBI. So that's why I tweeted that big, long thread about you want to talk about being a, what being a serious uh, lawmaker looks like. And I used all those examples yes. of here's what the Republican majority, if they wanted to be serious, you want to be taken serious. You actually take action on something and solve the problems that are ruining the American people's lives instead of just talking like you know it all and you're smarter than everyone um, uh, on your on your podcast and on your interviews. Nobody's impressed by a bunch of talk. People are only impressed with action. And that's where we are today. And so, you know, for for people throwing hate my way, um, I, I could care less. I, I really don't care about what they have to say and getting their sound bites and stuff on, on, on TV. I, I know exactly how the American people feel. And that's the only opinion that matters is the American people's opinion and, and the people in my district's opinion. And I know that I'm, I'm perfectly square with them. So I, f- I feel pretty good and confident about it. As you should. And look, the left is at war. They're at war with the Constitution, individual liberty, free market capitalism. And if any Republican doesn't get that yet and is not out there fighting by your side around the clock against all of this, then they need to get out of the way or the voters are going to do it for them like they just did to Liz Cheney. By the way, uh, Congresswoman, any interactions with her? What's it like? What's it like passing the hallways with Liz Cheney? Well, she and I are not friends. Um, (laughs) had nice words to say to one another. Uh, our last exchange was some months ago. We were in a shouting match on the House floor. Um, no, we we don't get along. But you know what? We don't, I don't even have to. Who cares, right? Yeah. I mean, the people spoke. But what's hilarious was her response. And and she thinks that she's just like Abraham Lincoln. Um, <laughs> and. and apparently thinking of running for president and I'm like, all right, jump on out there. Let's go. Because she's gonna, she just lost by 37 points and she'll find out. She'll find out real quick 
exactly what people think. Um, and, you know, I think, I think the arrogance of the Uniparty, the arrogance of these elites that only live in these circles and, and where they have these consultants that make money from their campaigns and these high-level uh, elites that, that tell them their opinions, that's not the real world. And I, I think the best thing that's happening is primaries have, are speaking right now, uh, where we have, what, I think seven or eight of, out of the 11 impeachment voters have lost their primaries. Uh, Liz Cheney just got completely destroyed in her primary. Um, and we're seeing these America First Patriots win. So it's, you know, it's kind of nice, Monica, because I, I went in Congress in the beginning, like basically yelling, this is what the American people want and saying over and over again. And now I'm just sitting back like with my, my feet kicked up going, like laughing, going, oh, they're showing them. And so yep. it's, it's kind of nice. I'm, I'm actually really enjoying it. But I'm also enjoying the fact that a lot of my, a lot of Republicans in my conference that, that, you know, maybe were a lot more moderate, they're seeing it too. Um, so as you know, I just hope that they remember the message that is being, uh, basically blasted with, you know, all guns blazing at them. Um, cause we have a job to do. We have a big job to do in January and it's a serious one and we can't fail. Amen. Amen. And that's why you need as many America first candidates elected, uh, in November mm-hmm. as possible to give you as much backup as possible. Okay. Final question for you, Congresswoman, what does your race look like now? You know, the Democrat communists tried to disqualify you from running, uh, because of course they can't beat you on the merits and they hate your guts because you're standing up for America. You won that challenge. You took to the stand, you beat it back. What does the campaign look like right now? I know the Democrats are pouring in a ton of money to try to take out. So where are you? What are your polls show? Well, I am, I, I do have a general, uh, I do have a general election coming up. I do have an opponent that has raised, I believe he's over 10 million. Oh my God. Now. Yeah. From all over the country. I mean, he has raised a ton of money. Um, I have a good Republican district, but I still have to raise money too, Monica. Um, not only to defend myself from these attacks, be able to uh, campaign, um, afford ads and all that stuff. But I have to, I mean, it's crazy. I have to pay attorney fees. I have to pay for so many things that most, most elected officials are not having to pay for because they're not under such scrutiny and intense fire all the time. So, you know, and I don't take the lobbyist money or the corporate PAC money. I only take money from um, individuals, which is an exception. Most, mo- most of my colleagues are having fundraisers in Washington and, and, and walking out pretty good out the door, but I don't do that. I don't have that because I don't, I don't want to do that. I believe that's a problem. Um, so mtgforamerica.com, mtgforamerica.com is my website. And I am so grateful for anyone that's willing to, to donate to my campaign. Um, it's, it's the only way that people like me can keep going and is the only way I can defend myself. So anybody that's willing to chip in, huge thank you. Big, big thank you.
Yes, guys, listen, I know you are the most patriotic Americans if you're listening to the show, and I love you all so much, my fantastic listeners. Guys, please, if you're able, do what you can to support MTG because you hear how extraordinary she is. She's out there swinging nearly alone for all of us and for the future of our country and for our kids and grandkids. Her campaign website, mtgforamerica.com. Please go there, check her out. Donate whatever you can, mtgforamerica.com. Congresswoman, you are a true heroine of this republic, and we all owe you a huge debt of gratitude for your fight for freedom, because we all know it doesn't come without this huge sacrifice. But please know that we all appreciate you so much, and we're behind you 110%. Thank you. And thanks so much, Monica. This was great, and I hope we can do it again. I would absolutely love that. Thank you so much for being here, and God bless. Absolutely. God bless you too. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. Congresswoman Marjorie Taylor Greene representing Georgia's 14th district. Again, her campaign website, mtgforamerica.com. Please support her however you can. We'll be right back. Time now for the Friday email bag. If you want to let me know what you're thinking, shoot me an email to Monica Crowley podcast at gmail.com. Again, Monica Crowley podcast at gmail.com. Warren writes a big hefty question. Okay, here's his email. Monica, love your podcast and the way you fight for what's right. Could you please take a minute and explain the situation with General Flynn and Trump? why he was thrown under the bus so fast. I've never heard a satisfactory explanation of what the hell happened. Thank you, Warrior Princess. (laughs) Well, thank you for the very nice words, Warren. I'm very glad that you are enjoying this podcast. Glad that you're here. And I'm also appreciative of this big question about General Flynn, President Trump, and what happened. So I want to take a couple of minutes here to break it apart a bit because this was a very complicated case with endless intrigues. But here's my thumbnail view of what happened. General Michael Flynn was one of the first, certainly the first in the national security area, to openly support Donald Trump in 2016. That immediately put a target on his back particularly as the deep state began to mobilize to try to undermine and destroy Trump. So you'll recall back in late 2015 and certainly into 2016, the deep state began to spy on Trump and his campaign, and they began to develop what would become known as the Russia hoax, framing Donald Trump as a Russian asset, as a stooge of Vladimir Putin. Trump had made it very clear that if he got elected, he was going to root out the corruption and uproot the entire establishment. That's what the drain the swamp theme was all about. Remember at all of his rallies, he used to get the crowd chanting two things, build the wall and drain the swamp. Well, drain the swamp meant he was going after the entire corrupt establishment, and that included the deep state. General Flynn was going to help Trump do that to the national security apparatus, the whole national security deep state. Remember that Michael Flynn had also been the head of the Defense Intelligence Agency. 
So he knew where all of the bodies were buried by the deep state. He knew that sometimes literally where the literal bodies were buried. He knew all of their secrets and he was going to help Trump expose them and then reform the entire corrupt mess. So both Trump and Flynn needed to be stopped. After Trump named Flynn to be his national security advisor, the deep state actors went to work. Remember this, on January 5th, 2017, three weeks before Trump was sworn in as president, there was a meeting in the Oval Office. Present at that meeting were Barack Obama, Joe Biden, James Comey, Sally Yates, and you guessed it, Susan Rice. In fact, remember that she had put a note to file. She had sent herself an email on the day that they were leaving office, January 20th, 2017, three weeks later. She had done that famous memo to self, which was a big cover your ass thing where, oh, well, here's what we discussed in this meeting. Michael Flynn, General Flynn, had done what every incoming national security General Flynn had done what every incoming national security advisor had done before assuming office, including Susan Rice, which is reach out to his foreign counterparts to introduce himself and lay the groundwork for high-level discussions about critical matters affecting both countries. Every incoming foreign policy official does this, Republican and Democrat. And they do it so that when they get in and take the oath, they can hit the ground running. Of course, it's common sense and totally legal, totally legit. But when the Obama crew heard that Flynn had had a conversation with the Russian ambassador, a guy named Sergei Kislyak, they seized on it and spun it as a violation of the Logan Act. The Logan Act was enacted in 1799, okay? It's a revolutionary war kind of of act, and it was meant to stop U.S. citizens from freelancing foreign policy outside of official channels. You can't have the American people going to different countries or talking to foreigners creating their own foreign policy. That's what that's about. Of course, people like Jimmy Carter and John Kerry have always done that. But they don't get pursued with the Logan Act because they're Democrats. In fact, it was Joe Biden in that January 5th, 2017 meeting in the Oval who proposed using the Logan Act, who proposed using the Logan, who proposed using the Logan Act against General Flynn because he's such a POS. Flynn did not violate the Logan Act. But they went after him anyway, working hand in glove with the propaganda press to push the lie, including David Ignatius of the Washington Post and others. They were all fed the lie and willingly ran with it to smear Flynn and put him under a cloud. There was some speculation that he had spoken to the Russian ambassador about sanctions, which the Obama administration had just slapped on Russia which Flynn was within his rights legally to talk to him about. But they used that as a cudgel against Flynn to say he was undermining the Obama administration in its final days. 
Now then fast forward, they're in office and a few days into the Trump administration, James Comey sent two FBI agents to speak to Flynn in the White House to basically set him up. They told him it was a casual conversation and that they didn't need the White House counsel with him. So Flynn, being a decent guy, believed them and had that conversation with the FBI agents when it was all a giant setup. Also, at some point, Vice President Pence asked Flynn if he had spoken with the Russian ambassador about sanctions, and Flynn said no when the answer was yes. So for that reason, Trump let him go for not telling the truth to the vice president. Then, of course, Flynn faced a years-long witch hunt, costing him a ton of money, nearly bankrupting him. He and his family lost their house, but he said his faith got him through. And Trump, realizing later that Flynn was one of the original targets of the deep state witch hunt against him, pardoned him. Obviously, there are a lot more details to the story, which went on for years as they tried to destroy Flynn. But this is a pretty good summary of what happened to this good man and American patriot. I know General Flynn a little bit, and he is a fierce warrior for what's right and for this country. Okay, Warren, there you go. If you want to hear your email read on the air, you got to send me one, Podcast at gmail.com. All right, that's going to do it for me today. Have a great summer weekend, and I will see you right back here on Monday with another big show. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.